0: You Should Have Been There, podcast number 55, with me, Mick Webb. And me, Simon Calder.
1: And at this time of February, people's thoughts often turn to Valentine's Day. So we thought we'd bring you something of a special edition all about romance on the road. Or at least talking about it, defining it, locating it, and recalling it in the case of Overland Truck Supremo, Charlie
2: Hopkinson. I think an overland truck in the best possible way is probably the best dating app you can have um uh you know it it tinder just has nothing on an overland
0: truck really well it's not exactly one enchanted evening across a crowded room is it but we're going to hear more of charlie's very entertaining romantic tale a bit later on um simon i think though you have something to say about um about our Twitter uh, account. Yes, it has just slightly changed its name to make it more user-friendly.
1: That's the idea. And it is very simply, you should have BT, short for you should have been there, of course. And don't worry if you signed up for our old one, you have been automatically transferred and nobody knows
0: about it apart from us and Bill Gates. That should make us even more popular. Well done, Simon. Um... Now, back to the uh, business of the day, uh, Valentine's Day. Now, obviously, uh, it's very hard to be away in a romantic location at the moment. But we did uh, ask other people what their idea of a perfect romantic location was. Uh, And amongst them was Claire Rathall, who in last week's uh, podcast talked very entertainingly and informatively about the island of Mustique. And we took the opportunity to ask her what her most romantic evening had been.
1: This sounds like a terrible, terrible name drop. Um, I think it's Francis Ford Coppola's villa at Blankenau Lodge in the Belizean jungle, where I just remember sitting on the deck there watching the flies over the Privassian River drinking wine, uh, drinking a sparkling Rosé called Sophia named after his daughter from his Napa vineyard and it was just the sort of sense that life didn't get any better than that it was sort of utterly romantic and beautiful but also quite sort of boho and unpretentious just utterly lovely he's very good at hotels I think better better at hotels than movies
0: well, that's a possibly controversial judgment from Claire Rathall, but I suppose as long as um, Francis Ford Coppola's film Apocalypse Now uh, doesn't uh, influence the way he runs his hotels and jungle hideaways, that'll be a good thing.
1: And of course, um, one hopes that your. Uh, anybody's romantic uh, engagements don't end in the uh, manner of apocalypse now, but back to the subject of romance and in fact, After listening to Claire last week, Martin got in touch on Twitter and said cocktails at the wonderful Basil's bar, long lunches at the Cotton House and relaxing on their small private beach are all memories of our wonderful time in the paradise that is mystique. Ah. So tranquil and calm, he says. And I would say so romantic. You do have to have certain ingredients, I think, for a romantic environment, don't you? What would be on your list, Mick?
0: Right well um I quite like the idea of the cabin in the jungle I think being quite isolated is a very good idea and I think it's also very nice to be able to hear the sounds of nature rather than the chinking of other people's uh, glasses even if they are filled with uh, champagne or um, in Claire's case uh, a very nice uh, sparkling rosé um I think possibly the most romantic place uh, I have uh, ever spent the night, um, was in uh, one of those cabins in the trees, which you can find in some places. Uh, This one was in the middle of France, and it really was extremely lovely, Um, sort of romantic being high up. And the owners of the establishment had uh, scattered porridge oats or something like that at the bottom (laughs) of the tree, so that uh, during the night wild boar and uh, other such animals um, came to feed. So you could, from the safety of uh, of your uh, uh, wooden platform with a very nice little um, uh, comfortable hut on it, look down on them. And then, just when you thought... Oh, damn, I'm up a tree and wouldn't it be nice to have a romantic breakfast? A romantic <laughs> breakfast on a tray <laughs> arrived. And being French, it obviously involved a thermos, a very good coffee and croissants and butter. And uh, it was in a basket, actually. So it could be uh, winched up. There was a hook and a pulley sort of system. So you could pull it all up and then, um, and then enjoy your romantic breakfast. I thought that was brilliant and very romantic. Yes, if
1: you want a similar um, high high altitude experience across the border, actually, in Germany, uh, let me commend the Hotel im Wasser term. This used to be Europe's biggest water tower, and the bit at the top where all the water was stored is now <laughs> converted into a luxury hotel. Um, but of course, there's much more to romance, Mick, than simply uh, the the location that you're in and maybe the person you're with, because I think it's possible to find a romantic location where you get this great surge of emotion, even if you're on your own. Or in the case of my first trip to Granada in Spain, in the company of your um, uh, old pals, Roy and Tim, neither of whom I was um, or am uh, romantically involved with,
0: Well, I think you've broadened out the Valentine's brand there, Simon, uh, to include singles. So fair play to you. Let's get
1: back on twin track and the more conventional form of romance uh, with my hyper romantic colleague, Kathy Adams. She's head of travel at The Independent and she's just returned from maternity leave, which gives you a clue about how her romantic encounter in Poland turned out.
3: So the story of how me and my husband David met, um, it was in April 2008, um, and we met in Krakow in Poland. So he'd he'd flown out for a weekend away with a friend of his, and I was on my final stop of a three-week backpacking tour around Eastern Europe on my own. So yeah, I was more than glad for some company. Um, We were staying in the same hostel room, it was a dorm room for eight people, um, and I was sort of unpacking my staff, I remember, When he walked in and was like, oh, hey, you know, you're you're from the UK. Do you fancy going to grab a drink down at the bar? Like, that's the one thing that we have in common. So we ended up having a drink downstairs with another friend of his that's become a a really good friend since. Um, Yeah, and this really sort of dark, subterranean brick bar, um, drinking the Polish vodka, Zabrowka, until the early hours. Um, Then the next day, we were like, you know what, should we just stay in touch? Stayed in touch. When I was back in London, he was back in London... And yeah, that's what, 13 years later, we're still here, we're married. um, We've got a 10-month-old son, Samuel. um, Yeah, and Poland will always have a very, very fond place in both our hearts. We've actually never managed to make it back to Krakow, which is quite embarrassing. We have been to Warsaw together, but never Krakow. But we are desperate to go back. I think the moment, and now we have Samuel as well, the moment that lockdown um, restrictions allow us to, that will be the first place on our list.
0: Oh, well, that's a very good story from Kathy, And uh, I think it includes an ingredient which um, must be high on the list of uh, uh, romantic accessories for um, um, a British kind of encounter, Zubrovka vodka in this case.
1: Yes, and extraordinary that, that they should be in, uh, some would say, and I would probably agree, the most beautiful city in Central or Eastern Europe. And yet this romance blossomed when they were in the 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 uh this subterranean bar so i do hope that they get back and appreciate the um uh, sites above ground um, with, with young samuel
0: very soon well i'm not sure that windowless sellers would uh, feature high on the uh, list of romantic destinations which uh holiday companies are obviously very keen to market around this uh, time of year um I've noticed that uh, one new entry into the market is the heart-shaped island. Uh, And there are quite a lot of them around the world and many of which you can uh, visit in one way or another. And some of them you can even stay on. But uh, uh, here are my three top, top choices for um, heart-shaped islands. I'm not going to include Love Island in this because it's not heart shaped. It's uh, filmed mostly on uh, Majorca. Also, I think uh, you could question whether love is part of the uh, <laughs> of the recipe for that series. Um, but anyway, here are my uh, here are my three top heart shaped islands: uh, uh which uh, is uh, in Croatia. It's off yeah. the Adriatic coast, obviously, about 25 kilometers south of. Zada uh, which is a very lovely sort of mini dubrovnik if if uh, you haven't been there um yeah. and uh, there is a really perfect heart shaped island there Galizhnyak. Uh i reckon it's about uh, a kilometer off the coast and i reckon you could quite happily swim to it uh, if you yeah. wanted to uh, th- this is, is just yeah yeah that's right but that's my idea you can go to it although there aren't any ferries and it is actually um privately owned uh, and it was only discovered uh, a few years ago when google uh, earth uh, got going and it was mapped and people realized that seen from above it was a perfect heart shape. Uh, unfortunately this made it really quite popular and the owner of it um pretty well stripped it bare of trees and vegetation uh, and he's apparently in the process of uh, building a a chapel so that people can go and uh, and get married there um, and presumably pay him um, royally for the privilege but uh, anyway he also oh. claims that he's going to be planting olive trees uh, and making it look uh, lovely again
1: uh, uh, in terms of heart shaped natural features i would suggest if you want to avoid crowds and desecration then the place to go is um, uh, Montagnon in France which you and I have actually been to and uh, interestingly before the recording um, I was um, very enthusiastic about uh, how lovely it was to be with you as we looked down on this um, uh, lovely heart-shaped lake uh, high in the Pyrenees in fact in the Pyrenees National Park of France and you can't remember a blind thing about it which um, uh, which saddened
0: me Mick. I'm so sorry. Uh, Yeah, it passed me by. Or maybe I passed it by. Well, my second heart-shaped island is actually Heart Reef which is an atoll and it really looks absolutely spectacular um from above which is unfortunately the only way you can see it because you're not actually allowed to uh snorkel there or swim in the water which is of course in the middle of the uh, of the coral so the coral forms a perfect heart shape and then in the middle there's all this amazing uh, light blue water presumably filled with fish and uh, colourful sea creatures. Uh, And uh, to get there, you need to go to Brisbane, uh, Australia, and then you have to make your way to Hamilton Island which is 800 kilometers north and then uh, you have to book yourself onto a helicopter uh, for the little matter of 1100 Australian dollars for which you get a a three-hour experience which involves flying over Hart Reef and then landing near it uh, on something which I think they call Hart Island which actually isn't uh, a heart an island at all. It's a kind of pontoon, but you <laughs> land on it, and then you can snorkel around that because, uh, for ecological reasons, you are not allowed to um, trespass on the reef itself. Um, and then, anyway, my third one, my third one is uh, Isla Corazon, uh, nice. Heart Island, in Spanish, of course, which is uh, in the middle of a beautiful lake called Mascardi Lake uh in Argentina it's an hour south of Bariloche in the lake district uh, and what is good about it is you can actually see the heart-shaped island very clearly from a mirador a viewpoint <laughs> uh, on the on the road or you can kayak to it and around it and I'm really annoyed that I didn't know about this when uh Uh, I went there with my partner a couple of years ago. I I was actually in that area and uh, I was completely unaware of uh, Isla Corazon. Next time, though.
1: If I may veer off for a moment to uh, the heart-shaped letter, or at least the closest we have to that, which is the V, that gives you uh, Vegas, of course, where um, anything goes and indeed stays there. Venice, perhaps the most romantic single setting for uh, those those beautiful um, photographs adieu um and vienna where mark mills has been in touch he's caught up with our um uh, podcast a month or so ago about great travel films and he recommends before Sunrise. It's as much about travel companionship, he says, as it is a vehicle to show off Vienna's beauty and the sequels take you to France and Greece. He also says a film to make you salivate for historic northern Italian small towns is Call Me By Your Name. It's set against, uh, uh, the film's set against this backdrop in a hot Italian summer, which makes you want to book to go there as soon as possible. Enjoy, he says, and I will try and catch up on that, on these long, dark nights.
0: Well, I have seen that last one, and uh, I I do agree with him. I think it is very atmospheric, and uh, very emotional, and very romantic. And talking of
1: Italian film, there is a connection with the strange habit, the strange romantic uh, gesture of a padlock. And you know the idea. You, You inscribe your names or your initials on a lock. You then lock it onto a bridge and you throw the key into the river beneath. And that shows, obviously, that you are going to be together forever. Now, I became aware of this on the Pont des Arts in Paris, where ah, I, I think yeah. they actually had to, had to remove all the locks, um, at, at which point thousands of relationships presumably fell apart because it was uh, threatening to bring down the bridge. But this actually <laughs> began with a film called ditte um, um wow. I Want You, um, 2007. And um, uh, <laughs> it, it, it's um, a, a, a something which happened on a bridge called Ponte Milvo, uh, which is in Rome, but kind of not not in central Rome or anything, and that's where it started. And of course, much more convenient for people when they are going to the city of love, to Paris, to uh, to choose a a bridge there. But if you're if you can't do it in Paris, well, Tavira in Portugal, beautiful town on the Algarve, you can do it there. And then in London, um, I have spotted during my walks. Uh, that not only are their collections growing on Hungerford Footbridge, that's from Waterloo to Charing Cross, also the Millennium Bridge going from uh, Tate Modern across to St Paul's, and bizarrely, and please try and explain this, Shoreditch High Street Overground Station. Um, <laughs> uh, across the uh, from the exit to there, there's some uh, padlocks there as well. Just weird.
0: Well, if anyone's got any idea why Shoreditch should be a centre of true love, then uh, do get in touch with us via Twitter at YouShouldHaveBT.
1: Time now to get back on the romantic road. And we're better than an overland truck through Africa in the company of Charlie Hopkinson, um, who found his young bride, Karen, um, in interesting circumstances in Africa and she very kindly provided him with her diaries of that time so that he could describe the encounter
2: to us. So this was a night drive to um, Malawi. Now we don't do night drives normally but for certain reasons the border was shutting so we had to go. So we have two drivers and I remember I used to go to the back of the truck if we had to do something like that and sleep on top of all the food, the bulk food. And then, and then I just discovered, I've completely forgotten this. She's put overnight drive to Lake Malawi, snuggled in the food locker with Charlie, feet fumbling, never looked back. So there we go. That, is the, that was the, um, the beginning of the romance, was on the road, literally on the road, in the middle of the night, in the food locker, at the back of the truck. Um, and then we, we were, arrived down in um, Joburg and she flew out. And I just remember being totally heartbroken that she'd flown out. And I drove the truck with a new group back up to Harare. And I worked out what flight she was on. Yeah. And um, I realized that I was in Harare and her flight was an Air Zim flight. And it was arriving at Harare Airport while I was in Harare. So I took a taxi to the airport persuaded the customs officials to let me through and said, all I want to do is to kiss this woman. Please, please let me through. Can you imagine this at Heathrow? It just, this is not happening at Heathrow. So um, being Zimbabwe and being just, you know, the nicest, nicest people, they allowed me to do it and they escorted me into the the airside, found Karen, I, they tannoyed her. Um, I kissed her. And left that, and that was the, the making of it. So, uh, the next year, we um, I was doing this amazing trip, best trip I've ever done, Kathmandu to the UK, with the most marvelous, marvelous group of people who huh. are actually amazing. One of the best things about lockdown is you actually start getting in back in touch with all these people <laughs> who you lost contact with. Anyway, cut along short, thought short. Karen joined us in Jordan, but and there's another airport story here, Simon. Yeah. Um, I was a day late because on the Syrian-Turkish border we got stopped because one of the passengers tried to take a photo of something, not not good, and we never caught that day up. So, um, and then she off- arrived down in um, um, Amman Airport to find I wasn't there, oh, um, no, and she was there for 24 hours. And when I got there, um, I said 24 hours later, I said, um, "Has anyone seen?" A, uh, an English blonde girl. And they said, would that be a very angry English blonde girl? <laughs> and I said, yeah, probably. And they escorted me up to the, the airport manager. And he, lovely guy, Scotsman, he had rescued her, taken him to his home. And he gave me a taxi or driver to take me out to his house. And there she was. So um, yeah, if if a relationship can survive all of that, then um, I think uh, it's, it's probably good. And then that was the most beautiful, romantic trip. Three weeks, Jordan, Syria, Turkey. Yeah, I mean, just in, in, in May time as well, Simon. So you know what the, the flowers are like and eating um, honey and yogurts and um, bread in Turkish Lacantas for breakfast. I mean, it's, every memory I have of that trip was um, just rose-tinted spectacles, basically. Uh, and then we thought, well, if we if we can if that works, then we should try a, a 6 month trans Africa. So we then did the big one. Yeah, she came as a passenger. I was again the tour leader, and we went from London to Harare, um, all the way through West Africa, and um, decided to get engaged in Timbuktu. So hunted for a ring in Timbuktu. See, it's, it's getting even more romantic. Hunted for a ring in Timbuktu, but in those days you couldn't buy anything into Makti. Certainly not, a, not an engagement ring. That wasn't going to happen. So um, I kind of gave up with that idea. And we waited till we got to Mombasa. And on Valentine's Day, on Diani Beach, I proposed to her. But mainly because I knew if I did it in a in a posh restaurant, they would probably give us a bottle of champagne and they did. <laughs>
1: Uh, Very, very practical. Um, So is your theory that if you can survive an overland trip together, you can
2: survive marriage? Yeah, absolutely. And just the amount of passengers who have got married. Basically, most of our leaders get married to either passengers or leaders. Um, And, you know, it is, I think, an overland truck in the best possible way is probably the best dating app you can have. Um, uh, you know, it, it Tinder just has nothing on an overhand track, really.
0: Well, good for Charlie and uh, and Karen. And uh, it's interesting, actually, that when you hear um, people describing their um, romantic uh, um, travels with, with with such passion and colour, that actually quite a lot of travel narratives... Uh, you know, really uh, very well thought of ones are often extremely short on uh, what you might call romantic interest uh, and I, I kind of wondered uh, why that is is it because the writers are rather coy about mentioning uh, uh, a, uh, a romantic encounter they might have had for fear of um, upsetting an apple cart back at home would you oh, think
1: oh, oh. Possible? No, I think it's honestly that they are too busy researching with their notebook out and um, I and I don't think that uh, travel romance with complete strangers is as as um, a frequent a phenomenon as perhaps a popular might might uh speculate. So I now I th- I think um uh travel writers are not being economical with the truth. I think they're just ah. um they're, they're on the road. They're looking for other things.
0: So you think Gene Pitney's Twenty Four Hours from Tulsa, a very famous song, um might actually not be a, a general kind of experience.
1: No, oh, all, all the Is there any other 60s pop song so rich in emotion, dearest darling, it begins. I had to write to say that I won't be home anymore. It goes on to explain, I saw a welcoming light and stopped to rest for the night. And that is when I saw her.
0: As I, yes, I remember it, Simon. Yes. As I pulled in outside of a small motel, she was there. And so I walked up to her, asked where I could get something to eat. And she showed me where. Well, and that was the, the beginning of a, a great romance. Um, I think it's a bit grim, really, to have uh, written. I suppose it could have been even grimmer in uh, 2021. I mean, he would have probably just sent a text message, <laughs> wouldn't he? Um, uh,
1: Yes. Although I think even that's a bit um, uh, 20th century. Um, maybe, maybe uh, uh, TikTok or Instagram or, or something else. But. Um,
0: Oh, what? With a picture of yeah. the motel? Guess who I met at this motel?
1: <laughs> Look, this isn't funny, everybody. We want to hear your real stories of romance on the road. And um, we will bring the best next week. Uh, best way to get in touch with us is not by sending us Instagrams of your romantic uh, motels, but uh, through Twitter, um, just uh, at You should have BT. We'll look forward to hearing from you there. In the meantime, um, here's here's, uh, we've got a message from Neil Gray. Out of interest, is it still anywhere you have yet to visit, but you want to? Well, that would fill an entire podcast, Mick, and I think we should probably do that. Dream locations after we've done romantic liaisons.
0: Yes, that's a very good idea. But uh, in fact, next week's... um... Podcast is already spoken for. Um, we're going to be talking to Joe Fallon, who is the co-founder of a uh, uh, a small travel um, firm, and uh, we're going to find out from him uh, how he is managing to get through the pandemic, how he hopes to um, come back stronger after it, and also uh, how he's been experiencing lockdown in many different continents.
1: Well, I can't wait to hear more. Um, meanwhile, from me, Simon Corder and me, Mick Webb, goodbye. Goodbye. goodbye.